I was in Birmingham, Alabama earlier this week when I got an email saying, you're preaching at the table on Sunday. Which reading are you going to choose? And here they are. Uh, and, and I thought, well, I'll just pick the first one, which was Haggai. And as I said to Jonathan earlier, I don't think you've ever heard a sermon on Haggai yet. Well, you're going to hear one today. Let's put Haggai in his setting. Go back 300 years. He was in the, uh, in the 5th, the 6th century BC was when he lived and functioned. And Solomon's temple had been built in the 9th, 10th century BC. It was magnificent. Attention was lavished on it and all sorts of wealth which the kingdom had at that particular time, gold, silver, the finest stone, the best timber. And then the kingdom began to stumble and fall, and 300 years later, the Babylonians invaded. They plundered the temple and left the whole place as a pile of rubble and took a good chunk of the people of Israel off into exile in Babylon, which is not too far from modern-day Baghdad. Fifty years later, and you can read about this in the book of Daniel, fifty years later, the Babylonian Empire fell to the empire of the Medes and the Persians. And those exiles who had been down there by the rivers Euphrates and Tigris were in a position where they could come home again to the land which God had given to them. It was an arduous journey across those deserts. Uh, I, I know it was arduous for the people who, were, who drive today through those deserts in vehicles, but when you're walking and you're, you've got donkeys and camels carrying all your stuff, uh, not a particularly fun thing. And when they got back to Jerusalem, what did they find? Ruins. And they set about rebuilding their lives. There were homes to build. They had to wrestle with whether they were going to have a good harvest or a poor harvest. And there seemed to be more poor harvests than usual at that particular time. And there was the sense of dislocation. They'd lived fairly comfortably in Mesopotamia. And now here they were in this kingdom which God had given to them. And... Uh, they didn't in some ways know where to begin. And priorities just kept changing and uh, piling up on them. They began to work on rebuilding the temple. But after 20 years, they'd not got very far. And so you can imagine that the temple itself was like a half-finished construction site that had been abandoned and covered with weeds and shrubs and all sorts of other things. It's not that they didn't want to rebuild the temple. It was just that they had other priorities which muscled in on them and those priorities were immediate and had to be dealt with. And so they, they put it off. 
The only way of putting off which I could think of as a good analogy is like we put off doing our taxes uh, and sort of wait till the very last of April the 15th. They also had neighbors who weren't too friendly who'd moved in during the time that they had been away. And then Haggai appeared. Haggai had one of the shortest prophetic careers in Scripture, about two and a half to three months. And he spoke just several times prophetically. And as he did so, he shook things up. And he's, he challenged their priorities. The name Haggai means messenger. He came as a messenger from God to tell them what God's will was for them as they reestablished themselves in the land which God had given them. He said to them, Why is it that you build paneled houses for yourselves when the house of God is in ruins? Today's reading came a couple of months after those words had been spoken. That outburst from Haggai had clearly triggered the people to begin work again on building the temple. And yet they'd been at it and discouragement was now the way that they felt about everything. The foundations had been laid. The walls were beginning to go up. But it looked pitiful. Haggai asked, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Well, there were still some old guys and uh, some old women left who can remember what the, what the place looked like. And they sort of wept over what they saw. Uh, no wonder it was discouragement when you've got the older folks saying, this isn't like the old days. <laughs> As I get older, it's very difficult not to uh, repeat that, I have to confess. How do you see it now? Haggai asked, is it as nothing in your eyes, which in many ways it was? Solomon's temple had been a palace built for the creator God to dwell in. And now it was being replaced by something which looked as if it was going to be tiny. They were using third-rate materials and they didn't have the craftsmen who had the skills to do the job which Solomon had had 300 years earlier. But what Haggai, speaking from God, does is to encourage them to look beyond what's happening at that just moment, which seems so inadequate, and says, keep going. Keep going, says the Lord God, for I am with you. I brought you out of Egypt. That was the pivotal moment in the history of the Jewish people. And implied in that is also, I brought you out of Babylon as well and brought you back to this land which I had set aside for you. And my spirit is in your midst. It may not feel like it, but my spirit is in your midst. And this place will be the focal point for all the world for its salvation from now and beyond 
until time ends. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former glory. And this place I will give peace. The word peace which he uses is the Hebrew word shalom, which means first peace with God. But it also means harmoniousness in society. And it also means in the presence of God, the personal fulfillment that loving and living with God brings. 500 years later, a new temple had been built since that point by King Herod, not that it was going to last very long. But a young couple came into the temple and they brought with them their child who had been born in Bethlehem and whose name was Jesus. And so the glory of God came afresh in a wonderful way to that temple there in Jerusalem. As he grew up, that child visited the temple regularly, became a man and taught there, and then died within a stone's throw of that temple. But also within a stone's throw of that temple rose again from the dead. Haggai was looking beyond what the people could see then to what God was going to do in the time to come and beyond it. I've been studying the book of Revelation most of this last year, which has been, to put it mildly, a revelation to me. But one of the things which you find in Revelation as you get towards the end of it, is the fulfillment of the words which Haggai spoke here. The latter glory of this house shall be greater. When God comes in his glory and restores his kingdom upon earth, the latter glory will be beyond anything that you can imagine. Well, what's Haggai saying to us? He's asking us to learn from the Jewish people about their priorities. They kept shelving what should have been the greatest priority, and that is providing a place where they could worship God in all his glory and all his magnificence. There is a tendency that we have in our Christian discipleship to shelve things, to push them to one side. Well, I won't do my devotions today. I'm feeling too tired for it. Or uh, I really can't afford to give that in terms of a tithe to God's work and God's ministry and so on. And we sort of slip down a few gears in terms of the commitment that we have and the integrity of our faith. What Haggai speaking in 520 BC is saying to us is reconsider your priorities. Where does God in all his glory through Jesus Christ fit in your priorities? Are you yourself a temple which is fit in which God can dwell? Consider that, particularly as we come and eat bread and pour out wine in remembrance of him who died for us and who is the one who redeemed that temple 
and who redeems us. Amen.